This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, post-operative restrictive opioid protocols and durable changes in opioid prescribing and chronic opioid use, is in JAMA Oncology. This prospective cohort study investigated whether post-surgical acute pain using a restrictive opioid prescription protocol of three days or less after discharge would result in reduced opioid use. Mean opioid prescribing days decreased from a mean of 3.9 days in the pre-restrictive opioid prescription protocol group to 1.9 days in the post-protocol group, which amounted to a 45% drop. These results indicate that such a protocol is achievable for most patients with the potential for reduced opioid use. Next is an article in eClinical Medicine titled, Single-Dose Psilocybin-Assisted Therapy in Major Depressive Disorder. In this randomized, double-blind clinical trial, participants received either a single dose of psilocybin, a preferential serotonin 1A-2A receptor agonist, or placebo for the treatment of major depressive disorder. Both groups also received psychological support. Mean differences two weeks post-treatment were minus 13 points on the Montgomery-Asberg Depression Rating Scale and minus 10.5 points on the Beck Depression Inventory. These results suggest that this single dose of psilocybin yields antidepressant effects in patients with major depressive disorder. Further trials with larger study populations and longer follow-up periods are needed. A new article in BMJ is titled, ASRA Pain Medicine Consensus Guidelines on the Management of a Perioperative Patient on Cannabis and Cannabinoids. In this article, the authors asked nine questions to develop consensus guidelines for management cannabis use perioperatively. The authors provided grades along with the guidelines based on the level of evidence available. Among those recommendations with good evidence are universal screening for cannabinoids prior to surgery, counseling about potential risk if used perioperatively, including potentially worsening perioperative pain if used regularly, and counseling about potential risk of maternal cannabis use to fetus. The authors also provided a negative recommendation against universal toxicology screenings. Next, we have a study in JAMA Network Open titled Use of Cannabis and Other Pain Treatments Among Adults with Chronic Pain in U.S. States with Medical Cannabis Programs. This cross-sectional study seeks to arrive at an accurate estimate of cannabis use or its substitution in place of pain treatments among adults with chronic non-cancer pain. Among adults with chronic pain in states with medical cannabis laws, 3 in 10 persons reported using cannabis to manage their pain. Most persons who used cannabis as a treatment for chronic pain reported substituting cannabis in place of other pain medications, including prescription opioids. The high degree of substitution of cannabis with both opioid and non-opioid treatment emphasizes the importance of research to clarify the effectiveness and potential adverse consequences of cannabis. A new study in JAMA Network Open is titled Association Between Alcohol Use Disorder and Receipt of Direct-Acting Antiviral Hepatitis C Virus Treatment. This study examined over 130,000 patients in the Veterans Health Administration between 2014 and 2017 who tested positive for hepatitis C virus and had alcohol screening. The authors found that patients were less likely to receive direct-acting antiviral treatment if they had current alcohol use disorder 
or were abstinent with a history of alcohol use disorder compared to patients with lower-risk drinking, despite guidelines that recommend direct-acting antiviral treatment without consideration of alcohol use. The next study, titled Temporal Associations Between Depressive Features and Self-Stigma in People with Substance Use Disorders Related to Heroin, Amphetamine, and Alcohol Use, is in BMC Psychiatry. More than two-thirds of people with depression have co-occurring drug use disorders. This study examined the relationships between features of depression and self-stigma in people with substance use disorders, and found positive associations between depressive features and self-stigma. Although these associations may be bidirectional longitudinally, the directions from depressive features to self-stigma may be stronger than the reverse directions, suggesting treatment of depression in earlier stages may prevent self-stigmatization and subsequent poor outcomes in people with substance use disorders. Our next study is in the New England Journal of Medicine, titled Alcohol-Associated Hepatitis. In this review article, the authors summarize the current data around alcohol-associated liver disease. The main factors predicting long-term prognosis of pathogenesis is prolonged alcohol abstinence with episodes of alcohol-associated hepatitis associated with significant mortality. The authors also review treatments of alcohol use disorder in the context of alcohol-associated liver disease, including potential contradictions from advanced liver disease or kidney disease. Finally, while the authors discuss some of the emerging therapies, they do note additional research is needed to understand determinants of alcohol-associated liver disease, including severe forms, and for development of new therapies. Our final article is in the primary care companion, CNS Disorders, titled Outpatient Rapid Microinduction of Sublingual Buprenorphine in Three Days for Methadone for Opioid Use Disorder. This case report describes a patient transitioned from methadone to buprenorphine over three days in an outpatient setting. The patient continued to receive 72 mg of methadone during the three-day transition. On day one, buprenorphine was administered in divided doses, totaling 2 mg. On day two, buprenorphine 4 mg was administered in divided doses. Also on day two, the patient experienced withdrawal symptoms described as mild. On day 3, buprenorphine 8 mg in divided doses produced minimal withdrawal. No methadone was administered on day 4, and buprenorphine was continued. The authors note that this 3-day protocol is shorter than the 4-10 through 10 days typically described. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.